0: Welcome to Unfolding Words. My name is Andrecia Moorings, and every week I come and share biblical truth to offer light for your walk and life for your soul. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am so glad to be here because I am returning from a month-long hiatus from the podcast. And today marks the first session of a four-week Bible study entitled Harvest of Kindness, a Bible study on Ruth. So if you haven't heard about it yet, you can purchase the Bible study guide on Amazon.com. It's called Harvest of Kindness, a Bible study on Ruth. And it's by me and Tracia Moorings. And you can jump in and join us. If you're listening to this later, you can still jump in and join us. The audio will be available for you to listen to at any time here on the podcast or on my website at unfoldingwords.com. And as part of this, I am offering a chat discussion question session on Facebook Live. So you can go to my Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash unfolding words. And on Thursday, September 12th, you can join us and we'll be having a time of sharing. So you can ask questions, get feedback, get clarification. So I hope you will join me for that. So let's not delay this any further. Let's get started and jump right into the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth is a story that many women embrace about how to get a man. We are not going to talk about it from that perspective at all, because there is such a deeper and richer meaning that, is in the scripture. So when we read this, we want to keep in mind the story of scripture, which is creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And we're going to see these themes in this small book. Even though it's four chapters, it is chock full of adventure and drama and conflict. So Ruth is not just the story of one family, but it's the story of a nation, the nation of Israel, which God ultimately made one family under him. So it falls after the book of Judges, and the book of Judges tells the story of Israel's disobedience and unfaithfulness. Again and again, Israel had turned from God, and he allowed their enemies to defeat and oppress them. In Judges 10, verses 13 through 14, it says, "'Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods, therefore I will save you no more. Go and cry out to the gods whom you have chosen. Let them save you in the time of your distress.'" And in chapters 17 and 21 of Judges, we keep reading the line that the Israelites did evil before Yahweh or did was right in their own eyes. And this led to anarchy that persisted with, with, because there was no king in Israel. The religious apostasy was connected to a lack of a central government unit. So if Judges reminds us of the might of God's anger, then Ruth should remind us of God's kindness and goodness. So the purpose of the book of Ruth is to provide background on the family origin of King David. And the book serves as a bridge between the lawless judge stage of the book of Judges and the monarchy of King David. So this family that we're going to look at in the book of Ruth was driven out of the promised land the house of bread, literally. They were driven out of Bethlehem, which means house of bread, to a place called Moab. So we clearly already here have an Exodus pattern. Elimelech and Naomi, who were the husband and wife of this family that left Bethlehem, leave the land and Naomi eventually turns with Ruth. But in many ways, this is kind of an unusual Exodus story. Because instead of multiplying in the land where they were sojourning, like Jacob did when he was in Haran, and like Israel did in Egypt, Elimelech and his sons die. They leave Naomi and her daughters-in-law with no children. So instead of becoming enriched in a land like most people do when they go in an exodus in the Bible— Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Israel all became rich when they had an exodus in their life. Elimelech and Naomi are left impoverished, but we're going to see that Naomi goes out full, but she comes back empty. God's people were never meant to live in exile, but were called into God's land. Instead of living in fruitfulness and living in the bread basket, this family had already faced famine, death, and widowhood. And there's no mention of sons born, so we're going to add barrenness to that list as well. So while I mentioned there's a clear Exodus shape, what should come to mind is the nation of Israel. Naomi is Israel. Famine is in the land, so she and her husband leave for a foreign land when they're in, when they can't find food. But that place of plenty became a place of death to her. And then after they die, after her husband and sons die she hears that her homeland is now a place of abundance. So she leaves the foreign land to return home and looks like she's going to take her two foreign daughters-in-laws with her. So we see that Naomi and her daughters-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth, none of them have any children or seed to speak of, which in this day and age, meant that they had nothing or no one to take care of them. And ironically enough, these barren women, Orpah and Ruth, came from ancestors who refused to be barren. They came from Lot's daughters. If you back all the way up to the book of Genesis, you'll discover that Moab is the father of the Moabites and Ammon is the father of the Ammonites. They were the offspring of Abraham's nephew, Lot, and they came from an incestuous relationship that his daughters had with him after their flight from Sodom. And if you look at the history of Israel and the Moabites from Genesis on, it's not a good relationship. During the time of the Exodus, Balak, the king of Moab, unsuccessfully hired Balaam to curse the Israelites. We see this in Numbers 22. And during the period of the judges, Moab asserted control over Israel at times. And Israel and Moab occasionally fought during the reigns of Saul and David, with Israel usually being the victor. Also in the book of Numbers, Balaam unleashed the daughters of Moab into the camp of Israel to seduce the Israelite men to fornication and idolatry. This made Yahweh angry, and he brought down a plague that stopped only when Phineas impaled a fornicating couple with his spear, And when Israel first passed through Moabite territory, the Moabites refused to offer bread and water. So we see they have a storied past, Israel and Moab. And these women, like I mentioned, were barren. And barrenness is a key theme in scripture because it always creates a threat to the royal seed. That one who would crush the head of the enemy that we first read about in Genesis 3. And here the threat is real because Elimelech's sons die. Elimelech was of the royal tribe of Judah. So, because she has no more sons, Naomi encourages her daughters to go back to their families where they could remarry because they were young enough. And her prayer for them was, May Yahweh show kindness to you. And the Hebrew term here is Hesed, which speaks to God's covenant love, His faithfulness, His mercy, His favor. And his kindness, and we see that Naomi refers to them as her daughters, suggesting that they probably had a very close and intimate relationship. And she asks them, Are there any sons in my womb that may be husbands for you? Naomi is past the age of childbearing, and she cannot produce an heir for Orpah or Ruth to marry. And even if she did, would they wait for them? This practice of the Levite marriage where a surviving brother would marry his widowed sister-in-law provides the background for Naomi's words here. These marriages preserved the family's inheritance and maintained the memory of the deceased and provided support for the widows. But instead of returning home, Ruth displays kindness by staying with her mother-in-law. She says, your God will be my God. Ruth's devotion to Naomi's God is striking, considering that Naomi has just blamed God for her difficulties, basically. She said that the hand of God was against her, but that does not deter Ruth's faith in God. Ruth used the divine name Yahweh. This shows that she indeed viewed Naomi's God as her God. Above all of the other gods, and she was determined to go with her. Ruth strengthened herself against Naomi's objections and stood firm despite Naomi telling her to go back home. And it would have been easier for her to go home. Nationality in the ancient Near East was closely tied to religion, so her going back to her gods and to her people was familiar to her. It would have been easy for her to turn back to what was familiar. Because Orpah went back with no problem. So when you went back home, you will return to the deities of your land. But instead, Ruth chose to follow Naomi and also to worship Yahweh. She was esteeming the true and living God over the Moabite deity Shamash, which is the God that she and her family served. So when they returned to Bethlehem, Naomi returns with her daughter-in-law who is going to turn her emptiness to fullness on so many levels. And notice that Naomi says that she has returned empty, but she really hasn't because she's returned with Ruth, who is going to prove that God can fill them up. And another thing, as they come back to Bethlehem, they are bringing back to mind God's promise to bring everyone into his family, even the Gentiles who were foreigners. So through Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Even those families of Israel's enemies, including the Moabites. So the chapter's ending stands in stark contrast with its opening setting of a famine. Naomi left Bethlehem with her husbands and sons because of a famine. And now she returns with the Ruth at the time of harvest when food would be plentiful. So what was going on was the barley harvest. This is when the first grain ripens in spring. It begins in late April and was followed by the wheat harvest. Now, barley was a common agricultural product in Israel. It could be ground into flour and used to make bread. And the barley harvest. Correspondent with the Feast of First Fruits, which happens the Sunday after Passover. This is when Israel brought a handful of first fruits of their harvest and waved it before the Lord. They did this to acknowledge and thank the Lord for his coming harvest and to ask his blessing upon it. This was a joyous occasion because they were trusting the one who gave them the first fruits, who would also bless the full harvest. So besides waving a sheaf before the Lord, they were to offer a burnt offering and a drink offering. And they were not to eat bread or continue the harvest until the offering of the first fruits had been made to the Lord. So this is what's going on when Ruth and Naomi return. And this feast is very important and significant in so many ways here in this book. It points to the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus Christ fulfilled the feast of firstfruits by being the first fruits of the resurrection. First fruits means the beginning. It means that there is more to come. And that's how chapter one ends, letting the reader know that there's more to come. Because of this feast that talks about a harvest and fruitfulness and plenty, that's a precursor of what's to come in the following chapters. So I hope that you come back and join me for the rest of our Ruth study. Be sure to join me in our Facebook Live so you can ask questions, get feedback, and talk with others who are doing the study. It'll be a great time. Again, you can join the group at facebook.com slash group unfolding words. That will be Thursday, September 12th at 9 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. That's 6 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, which is my time on the West Coast. So I would love to see you there. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. I drop a new episode every Monday, and I would love for you to join me here. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Unfolding Words and on Twitter at Unfolding underscore Words. And you can always email me at Antracia at UnfoldingWords.com for questions, comments. If you just want to say hi, I appreciate that. Be sure to check out the show notes for scripture references. And if you don't already have your Bible study guide, be sure to get that on Amazon.com. The study is called Harvest of Kindness, a Bible Study, of Ruth. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I hope that you were edified and encouraged by the first chapter of Ruth and that you're looking forward to digging into future chapters. I'll be back here next Monday sharing more of God's Word. Until then, may God's Word be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. God bless you.